Welcome to this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane, and with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, indeed. Um, today is January 8th. Do I have that right? Correct. Um, and we've got a pretty good show for you today, I think. We're going to be doing the unspeakable thing, the atonement, <laughs> at the end of this. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but... <laughs> Um, before that, and we've got obviously one, there's been one like big piece of book news this week that we will get to here in a second. But before we do any of that, how about some beginning of the year rundown, please? Yeah. So if you are joining us for the first time, um, I'm sorry for the, uh, blue nature of our episode today. Um, but don't blame me. (laughs) Blame don't uh, don't blame, I mean, us, blame, blame the man Booker. Blame the people giving the awards to the wrong people is yeah. what I'll say. Yeah. Anyway, um, welcome. We're really glad to have you. Even though I said I'm sorry, definitely don't turn us off. We're about to have some great fun. Mm-hmm. Um, In fact, the best way you could get revenge on us it would be to rate us with five stars on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, so we also have some special episodes mm-hmm. that are available to our Patreon supporters. Um, if you are a writer, it's the beginning of the year, maybe you're hoping to get your book out to agents this year, etc. Well, we have the perfect episodes for you. We have a query show mm-hmm. wherein we dissect actual queries by actual people can be yours. Um, Same with first pages. And then we have a special episode called Writing by Reading, where we take a book that's um, kind of big and famous and of the moment, and we break it down um, and and to teach you and to let you walk away with some some lessons from like good, big published authors and published books. Yeah. Um, So they're lots of fun. Send us your queries and first pages or suggestions for writing by reading to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. We're also discounted right now. We are. Is the thing. Like, so, because Patreon tried to mess with the fees, right? And they, like, originally our stuff was $10 and $5. And they, like, tried to put this ridiculous fee on our listeners. And we were like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're going to lower our price to 8 and 3 And then literally, like, 16 hours later... They're like, oh, man, we hear you. Creators, creators, we hear you. We hear you. And they dropped the they dropped the fee, and now we're just like, what, what are we going to do? Like raise the price again? Not yeah, right now. so it's like, a lot of work to so. change the price because I have to go through and change every single episode. So we're just like not going to do it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so you can get it at what is effectively a discounted rate, $8 and $3. You probably have a writing goal um, to start this year. You're trying to hit the bricks maybe with querying or polishing for an agent. And um, here's the thing. If you sign up right now, you get access to all of the special episodes we've ever done, and we'll probably grandfather you in to all of the future episodes <laughs> if and when we go back up. It's like days of content at this point, so you really yeah, should sign literally up. literally days. But, but, Laura, for the show today, we were yep. planning, we kind of, you know, we were planning to come back on today and we were going to do like the easy. It's our first show of the new year. Yeah, we were going to do the easy thing for the new year, which was like to do some like book related resolutions, right? Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the world happened. You know, something happened. Turns out 2017 yeah. <laughs> is reaching its cold, bony fingers into 2018. It's almost like the calendar flipping over doesn't actually change anything. <laughs> and your resolutions are meaningless and shit. 
Um, but no, so we've got a story though. We've got a big yeah. story to start that the year. That we cut the resolutions for. Yeah, so I'm pissed about that. But um, Michael Wolf, the Michael Wolf book, you know what it is by now. It's called Fire and Fury. Which it's... I always am get confusing for Lauren Graff's Fates and Furies. <laughs> well, she joked about that online. Yeah. Right? Like, what did, what did she say? She said something like, you know, buy the other book that's F and Fury or something. Yeah. Or she like said she... something about being prescient because her book is about like an overprivileged, like white guy who attains a station that he's not qualified for. <laughs> I think she, but I think she had another one too, where she was like openly hoping that like people who like ten percent of like the sales for Fire and Fury would be like accidental buys of her book or something. It was good. I, I was. I, I hope she. Hits I hope the she gets it. Yeah. List again. I hope that all of the book sales go to her instead of instead of this project. I hate this project, but. Yeah. So, so the what, Wolfman. What have we got here from Michael Wolf? We've got a book that is um, has caused quite a, quite a stir. Yeah. Not just because of its subject matter, but because of now all sorts of other things that we have found to be publishing related, huh? Yeah. So if you are not familiar, um, Fire and Fury, which is published by Henry Holt, which mm-hmm. is in uh, a large imprint of Macmillan Publishers, one of the big five. Um, this is a book that is based off of many, many months of Wolf basically being a, quote, fly on the wall mm-hmm. in the White House. Yeah, um, He kind of got this gig at, by asking for it after he wrote kind of a favorable article that Trump liked said something about like everybody's being too mean to Trump when they oh, he were. wrote a lot of favorable well, articles. Yeah, we're going to get to that. But but when when he was on the campaign trail um, and so then when Trump won and was inaugurated, he asked to kind of like hang out in the West Wing. OK. <clears throat> yeah. So this book, then, you know, his time ended and he got a big fat book deal. Of course. Um, and the book is fairly rushed, and we're going to talk about that. But the fun thing about this book, particularly why it's been in the news, is that the White House uh, submitted a cease and desist order to the publisher saying, yeah. you cannot let this out. You cannot like further <laughs> disseminate this book. Like It cannot be released, etc. And then Macmillan said a big old fuck you right. and released it four days early. Well, so... I mean, I think before before we get into that, like just like to establish like what this book is like, it seems to be just sort of this big expose that like and honestly, like the reason I think it's selling is because it theoretically confirms that Trump and his administration is just as dumb as you want to think it is. You know what I mean? Like this is a book about um, the idiots in the White House. It's a book about how disorganized these, these people are. It's a book about all this stuff. It's a book about. From what I can tell from the excerpt that was on New York Magazine, that he didn't even want to win, right? Yeah. Like the excerpt was like, you know, he, he or like Melania was like crying when they won the election, you know, like <laughs> the sort of thing Same. where. Same. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but it just seems to be, to me, it's a book that is taking off. One, because it's, you know, it's juicy palace intrigue, right? Like it's all this stuff about things going on in the White House. And that's probably popular no matter who's the president. But it's particular po- particularly popular with this president because we all <laughs> we all hate this president, you know? And we all want this president to be as dumb as we believe he is based on, um, you know, all his tweets and all the things he says and all this stuff. And so it just feels like an exercise in having our 
suspicions confirmed, right? Like it feels like, yes, there's like a psychic reassurance in knowing that, yeah, this guy actually is as dumb as our fantasies yeah. want us to believe he is. See, you know? he does go to bed at 7.30 at night with a cheeseburger. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like he, like it's it's that kind of stuff, right? And I don't know. I mean, I, we can get into the substantive, you know, censorship things here in a second. Um, but like this project kind of irked me. To start, and I don't know how did I, how did when you heard when this thing started cooking, like yeah. when it became clear that we were going to have kind of a publishing ordeal out of this project. <laughs> like what was like what was your reaction? Um, I think just like a large eye roll. Yeah. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been running for the last six months on like big trunk. Fatigue, right? right. Like I yeah, have, so many people have. Right. I have an, I have a Chrome extension that turns all of the pictures of Donald Trump into kittens. <laughs> do you, you really? Know, yes, I do. I didn't know that. Was it doesn't always work. It works about twenty five percent of the that, time. Does that mean that like the it's the kitten that's like tweeting out like stuff about the no? It doesn't work on stuff? Twitter, but like okay, on good. articles, yeah, 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 like yeah, on right. news sure, sites, sure. most of the time, right. like the the picture on the beginning of an article right, will be right. like kittens playing with string instead mm-hmm. of like. His face. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm just like, thank goodness, actually, for social media, because now I can just get the highlights and I don't have to read it and right. that sort of thing. Right. Um, but like from a, you know, kind of beyond that, from a publishing perspective, I am angry at this book, Eric. Yeah. Why is that? Um, I, for, for multiple reasons. Um, first of all, I think we should talk about first impressions. The cover sucks. The the cover does suck. It's just like, and I don't think that in terms of individual projects, like we, we're pretty, I mean, we are kind of a callous and, you know, sometimes ironic and like kind of jokey show. But like when it comes to like books being out, like we're usually pretty positive, right? Like we don't like come after individual books or individual covers very frequently, if at all. But no, the cover is lame. Like it's a, it's a. I could do like, that in Canva. That's in what like I mean. Like minutes. I could have put that together right now. And it's, it kind of speaks to the whole process, right? Like you were, you know, you showed me this thing earlier where, it seems clear that they, you know, they rushed, you know, they rushed the copy editing. They rushed everything. There are there factual... are two instances in this book where public is actually pubic, <laughs> which like any any. No, that's so good. That... Actually, that makes me like it more. I'm actually. <laughs> So, like, but that is an error that will be caught. You know, that is an error where anybody working on a political book should just do a, you know, search and replace because that is something that is a very common typo. You know, there are a bunch of errors that just have are a result of like bad fact checking. Yeah. You know, about what people were where at what dates and that sort of thing. Um, So it's kind of, it's, it's almost like, and I think we agree on this, that it's sort of, shoddily published yes in a way right because they kind of rushed it they kind of skipped some steps they sort of just wanted to get this thing out in the world and like i mean obviously you know there are all sorts of big questions with a book like this that have nothing to do with whether or not the book was copyedited but i do think that little things like that speak to not only you know publishing's role in this process and like how carefully it's reviewing these materials and things like that but like you know, like, for instance, when we did the National Book Awards show, like, we talked a lot about the nature of nonfiction, right? And we talked about things, like, I remember I, you know, and I've said this before, is I am really interested in nonfiction in this age that cuts against 
the instant reaction yeah. feeling and tries to say something considered and measured and maybe longer view and isn't just chasing a trend. And when I hear that a book has been, you know, has been avoiding copy editing and has been published before it was meant to be and, like, it's just meant to kind of capitalize on a news cycle, I – it just – it makes me break out in hives, right? Like, it's the exact opposite of that thing that I'm hoping to see. And, yeah, you know, there – books like this are going to exist and they're always going to exist and that's, I mean, probably largely fine. But it doesn't mean I have to like them, you know what I mean? And – you get something like this from someone who, I mean, Michael Wolf. You know, I don't particularly have a strong opinion on him, but you can go online and read plenty of very well considered opinions about whether or not he's a perfectly credible journalist. Most people will tell you that perhaps he is not, um, and I just see I just see the same thing that I keep railing against every week, which is. This Trump stuff, especially as it relates to publishing and, like, brand management yeah. and platforming, like, everyone is getting rich, you so, know? So Stephen Colbert and, made a joke <clears throat> yeah. about how the president, by kind of putting – putting like, trying to put this injunction on the release of this book yeah. and tweeting about it and kind of turning it into an instant bestseller. Um, it's been out for less than a week. But by doing that, um, Stephen Colbert joked that – he has started a national book club. He has. I mean, uh, <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about okay. that for a second. So we've had, um, we've gotten a couple tweets from yep. the real Donald Trump account about a, how a publicists wet dream. <laughs> so it, can you imagine being the? Let's just like just for a second, like you're the publicist on this book. Who, you know, that's someone I. 100% I'm happy for, by the way. Yeah. Like when I think of like, oh, man, this is kind of a gross project. The publicist is not the person I blame for the, anyway. No. Like I'm <laughs> the just, publicist didn't I'm need just, to do anything. Right, right, right. I'm just happy for the publicist. I'm happy that that person – Do you know what the publicist did? It, yeah. The publicist gave like 20 copies to people <laughs> that are close to Donald Trump and was like – here yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get, and that was it. Just and get pissed. Just just troll them with it. <laughs> and and they and they reliably reacted yeah. and got pissed. And well, we got a bunch of tweets about how, you know, Michael Wolf is a loser and you shouldn't read his book. And like, come on, man. Like, what's that gonna do? Everyone is gonna buy this book. And that's and honestly, with regard to that little bit of logic, that's fine. Yeah. Like we people probably should go buy the book that the president like says he hates. Like that's probably the sign of a healthy democracy in a way. <laughs> but like <laughs> I don't know. I just get um I get irritated with stuff like this because it's it's just one more dude who's fat, who's looked at the moment, right? Who's mm-hmm. looked at and has said I can be the dude who makes a buck off all of this. I can be the one who's just enough of a rat to get in and be credible enough getting in. Like the reason he was able to do this is because the Trump circle, you know, invited him in and thought he was, you know, good. And like, on their side, and like, yeah. and he, and they only thought that is because he spent most of the election cycle writing articles about how the media was being unfair to Trump. Like you said, you know what I mean? Like this is not someone who's like some resistance hero. I mean, now he is because the resistance welcomes in anyone who even says one nasty thing in a tweet immediately. Steve Bannon. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Steve Bannon's in the resistance at this point, according to the internet movement. But um, it's just like, this is the thing I want to just drill into people's heads. It's like everyone you dislike in this story, everyone from the beginning, from mid 2015 to now, 
all these people, whether they're part of the administration, whether they're your like your whoever it is, like in your head, your least favorite media member who did a terrible job covering Trump, wh- you know, whatever news anchor, whatever journalist, whoever it is, all of those people without fail, liberal, Demo- liberal, Democrat, Republican, conservative, whoever it is, they're all getting rich. They're all going to get rich off this. And it's all going to be because of this publishing apparatus that just rewards – that is just trying to capitalize on this sensationalism we're all predisposed to right so, now, you know? So here, here is my big issue with that, you know, because like I – I, I dislike that and I, I'm rankled by, yeah. you know, all the people I don't want getting richer, getting richer. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, like if this is going to let McMillan, you know, publish a little yeah. something or other, then fine. You know, like take the money where you can in this business. Right. The right. big thing that I am more worried about than the money mm-hmm. is that a book like this kind of the the timing and and the kind of disregard for quality but with the payout of that like public publicity that you can't buy and those yeah. instant sales numbers yeah. and that kind of like that is a tremendous investment for Henry Holt. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so but but if you take into account that um this is this is kind of like the smartest surest bet of really you is. know the past yeah. several years. Yeah. And so here's what I'm worried about. I am worried because this book is, you know, um, in comparison to most books, you know, of low quality, you know, not even paying attention to the arguments, which, you know, like the New Yorker has a particularly good yeah. takedown of like yeah. how shittily written this book is. Right. I think it was um, Masha Gessen, right? Who wrote yeah. it? I don't know. But, um, yeah. but even like taking into account the normal trademarks of what a book is, right? Oh, just you the, know, pub- the fundamentals of the publishing process. The fundamentals yeah. of the publishing process, which, which kind of give people a space for like measured arguments and kind of like <laughs> nuance and, and fact and, checking and fact and, checking yeah. and taking time right. where a quick think piece might not. Right. Totally. That is the benefit of the book. You know, we've done an episode on books and think piece culture. And the problem is, is when books try to be think pieces, books will die. It's yeah. when books yeah. separate themselves out from the hashtag hot take, mm-hmm. then, you know, that's that's where we come into issues. And so I'm really, really worried that the rest of these publishers and, and Macmillan will look at a book like this again and say, oh, it totally worked for Fire and Fury. Let's just like lower our standards. Let's yeah, let's, you know, like let's treat um, let's treat political books now like celebrity memoirs. You know, like let's yeah. kind of scrape the yeah. bottom of the barrel and get them out as quickly as possible and make them junky. And nobody cares because as long as they're sensational enough, they'll sell. As long as you've got like one semblance of a Trump anecdote. Yeah. Right. As long as you've got some like you were at, you know, Mar-a-Lago for some stupid ass dinner some <laughs> year in 2015. Like you're in like you get the book deal. No, I, I think that that's. I think that's a really good point. We were talking earlier today about whether we think that if this book is going to stick around. And I think both of us thought that in two weeks people are just going to like forget that this book existed. And I think that's significant. Which is significant. And I agree. But I I think that – it's it's our inclination to see say well this is not going to usher in a new like lower standard of nonfiction publishing right. because this book is going to be forgotten in two weeks. But one thing to remember is that like this is a business. You know, publishers are not necessarily in it for like 
the the Pulitzer always. You know, they're in it for the money. They're in can, it for those sales. If you can sell enough copies in the first two weeks, which is what this thing is going to do, by the way, like yeah. in you know in a month from now, by Feb by February, no one will be talking about this book. I think that that is absolutely a lock. And that honestly, if you're a publisher, that's fine. Yeah. Because you sold enough copies between now and two weeks from now that it's fine if the news – you know, whatever he does next, he's going to tweet some stupid thing about Kim Jong-un again and we're all going to move on, yeah. you know. And this book is going to get left behind and we're going to forget about it. But in the meantime, everyone is going to have a purchase enough copy that it is a perfectly good bet from a business standpoint for a publisher. And I don't know. It's like suddenly the – like, you know, you mentioned, like, the difference between, like, think piece, think piece culture and books. And one of them, I think, is that books, and this is this is a good limitation, is that books have always historically had a harder time capitalizing on the immediate news cycle. Yeah. Right? Like, it's harder when something immediate, like, if some you open the New York Times on the, you know, whatever Wednesday it is, and something crazy has happened, it's hard to immediately commission a book and get it out on that topic, right, while everyone is interested. Can't do it. If yeah. that that's, that's a purview of, you know, magazines. That's a purview of online journals. That's something that you have your columnists at a, at a newspaper do. If that changes... And suddenly we actually can and, – and this book obviously has been in the works for the while. But like if publishers do start trying to like take advantage of moments on a much more granular timeline, I don't know. It's going to change. It's going to change something. It's going to change the calculus of what they think they can take a risk on, what they're willing to um, you know, spend lots of time on, what they're willing to sign up for years in advance, you know, that kind of stuff. Like I don't know. It makes me a little bit itchy. But it just feels – like, I don't know. Like, I want books. The reason I like books, the reason I have always wanted to work in books and not magazine stuff is because it feel like it's always felt like this stuff was supposed to last, right? Like, books were meant to be the thing that sat on your shelf. You know, you exit out of an article. You know, you put the magazine in the bin or you throw it out when you're done. You, never, you don't throw out the book. You keep the book because the book is meant to be the longer view of something. And... I just I don't know. Like I this movement to me, it sort of it sort of pushes against that. And it's I can see it sort of as a publisher response to trying to be more it's trying to be faster. Yeah. And we know what faster means now from a book perspective. It means pubic. not enough editing. It mean, <laughs> exactly. It, it means, means pubic. It means pubic. And and that to me that to me is worrisome. Um but and like even and like for what? Because Laura, before this book came out, what was your opinion? Has your opinion of the Trump administration changed? There is from this nothing book? that I have read about yeah. what is in this book that is something I didn't know before. Right. That's the thing. Is none of us have learned anything new about this. Yeah, there's some like No, it's ju- just like juicy. There's like yeah, exactly. It's just some it's just a gossip. It's just a tabloid. Yeah. And that's I guess okay. And you know, obviously there are lots and lots of people who aren't as you know, minute by minute attached to the news as us, and maybe they'd pick up a book like this and really be shocked and learn some things. But that's not who's buying this book. The people who are buying this book are the ones who are— Who have that schadenfreude. Who are, yeah, yeah who, who are monitoring Trump's Twitter feed and saw him tweet about this and are like, oh, man, I better get this book. The president hates it. Um, and it's—I don't know. Like, I just get kind of—and, like, again, it's not as though we gave this to the most pristine journalists in the world. You know, like, this wasn't— <laughs> I don't it doesn't know. matter. It, I, yeah, at this point, at this point, it's more about 
I think, the future of publishing than any sort of lasting impact it'll have on any other kind of part of the world. So the last point, I think, on this from a, you know, publishing and writing standpoint is the, you know, the free speech debate, right? Because the the White House has sort of sent a cease and desist letter to Macmillan, you know, saying, hey, you got to quit publishing this. Like, this is, you know, this is a book full of lies. I mean, there's a full statement, but, you know, it says that, like, don't, don't, you got to immediately pull this book or because it's full of lies. And Macmillan, of course, took advantage of the perfectly set up publicity opportunity and sent back a strongly word letter about in this era of fake news, you know, we've got to publish the truth and the president needs to stand, all the kind of things you would expect. It like, turns out that it, after <laughs> a year, almost a year and a half of print run and all of our talks about how people mistake what yeah, censorship actually is. We actually is. got one. This actually we got is. One, yeah. You know what that means? <laughs> Get it. Woo! Woo! We got uh, some censorship, people. Yeah. It didn't so, stick. Um, no, it didn't stick. But, like, this is would be sort of an example of, you know, like, if they did pull it, like, and the government really did, like, say, hey, you can't publish this book because it's got opinions we don't like. Um, that would be, I think, censorship. That would count. Um, but... I don't know. Like, they're not going to pull the book. No one's going to pull the book. The book is going to exist, and we're all going to forget about the book. But I do think, I guess, like, as easy of a publicity opportunity as it is, mm -hmm. like, and as, like, I'm sure, like, the, you know, the McMillan CEO, you know, saw that, um, saw that they had to respond to this, and he was just fist pumping in his office because it's such, <laughs> it's such an easy thing to respond. You know what I mean? Like, it's so good to just be able to be the be the big valiant Batman for free speech all of a sudden, and um, so I'm good for th yeah, good for them for getting you know that opportunity. But and they, and like we do, like they did need to say that, like as exploitative as it is, as yeah. like contrived as it is, like it is important that they publish this book in its own way because like we can't have we can't have branches of government saying that they don't like books and shutting them down. We yeah. can't have that. So kind of circling back to our uh, conversation about how people are going to, you know, buy this book and then they're going to, you know, forget it on their shelves or, yeah. you know, it's not really going to, people aren't really going to be buying it in huge numbers in a couple of weeks. Right. Um, I'm going to turn your attention, Eric, to <laughs> E.L. James <laughs> and Fifty Shades of Grey. So it that is worth is, noting. I think that might be the harshest transition in the history no, of this show. It is worth noting that when I checked out the ebooks. Uh -huh. On uh, at my local library, there were 19 out of 20 copies available oh. of each of these. So no one's reading Fifty so Shades no right now. So no one is reading them. And like to give you an idea, um, so libraries buy really, really, really expensive ebook versions. Mm -hmm. It's not the same price as like what people buy on like Amazon or something. And that's because um, there's a limited number of times a book can be checked out as an ebook before a library has to repurchase it, right. which is why you get like multiple versions. Um, and it's kind of meant to emulate the the wear and tear of an actual physical book. Yeah. But so there are no there actually no one else is reading this book right now. Just us. In the St. Paul Public Library system. Man. The whole system. St. Paul's a bunch of prudes. There's like 10 different branches yeah. and nobody's doing it. So okay. anyway. Real quick, before yeah. we dive into what we're about to do, should we like tell new listeners why we're doing this? Because <laughs> yes. we, <laughs> the end of 2017, and real quick, as one of my resolutions, and I, again, I'm like pissed that we didn't get <laughs> oh to do, my God. That, we, that we didn't get to do if New Eric Year's Hain resolutions. If makes a resolution 
at like in person, <laughs> but no one is on air to hear it. It's is not it a resolution. A... <laughs> no, it only counts. I was gonna. I had this whole like measured take about like reading things outside my genre and stuff, and being like all like worldly and well, like found accepting it. of like genre fiction and all this stuff, and like trying to do things outside my comfort zone. We were gonna have this whole good segment about it before Michael Wolf decided to ruin all of our lives. Um, so I'm just working it in now, but now. The first bit of genre fiction I'll be reading this year is apparently Fifty Shades Grey. Yeah. Um, and the reason we're doing that, folks, is Laura and I fucked up. We we did. We got all of our awards bets wrong. For Man Booker and National, actually got one right for yeah, National you, Book you Award. You did get that one right, and I, that one shouldn't have won. But that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, so as punishment, we are both reading selections from books by E.L. James. Yeah. Um, so welcome welcome to this writing by reading episode of E.L. James' Fifty Shades Grey. Um, so what do we got first? Okay. So here uh, – so there are three books mm-hmm. in the original series. Right. 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 Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades Darker, and uh-huh. Fifty Shades Freed. Um, Just brilliant. Yeah. Trilogy And naming. so then E.L. James decided that the cash cow wasn't given enough milk. Um, and then <laughs> And it has inside it, it has instead decided to publish the same books again, but in um, Christian Gray's perspective instead of Anastasia Steele's. I just think that honestly it is so important that we finally represent male perspectives yes. in literature. Yes, it is. <laughs> so um, to give you a taste yeah. out of two of the three mm-hmm. periods of time in these characters of lives, yeah. um, we are going to be reading a sex scene from Gray which is Fifty Shades of Grey told from Christian Grey's perspective. You're reading be, that one, though, right? I will. Yeah. And then yeah, um, Eric will be reading a selection from the second book in the original series, which is Fifty Shades Darker. Mm. Okay? Yes. So, um, to set the scene... Please do. A little, okay, should we, like, wait. reset a minute? We've been, like, talking about intellectual okay. things. Like, uh, Yeah, we're going to be resetting by putting a gigantic not-safe-for-work warning... Right yeah, now, yeah, this in would the middle be, of our episode. This would be a good time to turn the volume up, <laughs> go outside your boss's office. Um, I actually have no idea what I'm about to read, so you tell me. No, like, you've never seen it before yeah, in your entire life. That's an important distinction, I think, is I have not seen the passage. I've only ever skimmed mine. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, so this this is about to get <laughs> very, very blue, mm-hmm. and we've had almost an entire bottle of wine, uh-huh. um, because how else are we going to do this? Right. Uh, I have one out of 20 available copies from the library, Yep. Um, and I think we're ready to go. I think so. So to give you a little bit of scene setting. Please. Um, so Anastasia and Christian are about to have sex. Anastasia. 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 I didn't know, however wait, you want to do it. I didn't know that was her name. Okay. Anastasia Steele. Steel. Steel. Mm. Mm. And uh, fun fact, Christian Gray, his last name is Gray, but it's spelled the British way, not the American way. It's much more sophisticated that way. Yeah. Um, even though he's American. so Much um, more sophisticated. <laughs> so Christian Gray, in this selection of Gray, uh, he has decided that he is going to take Anastasia and um, blindfold her and tie her to the bed. Mm-hmm. So the big thing is that he has put... Wait, why is, she do- why is he doing that? Because he wants to have sex with her, Eric. 
My goodness. <laughs> um, so he he has put like earbuds in her ears yeah. so that like she so it's like sensory deprivation. And he is um, currently going to be play playing some Tudor choral music for her while all of this <laughs> <laughs> this is happening. One of my other resolutions, yeah. Laura. Oh God. Was to be more wholesome this year. I was, yeah. Okay. I was gonna, I was gonna like, you know, spend less time being mad online and like quit, you know, just getting into these dumb like fights and riffs with people on Twitter and like doing all, you know, I was gonna like really take a step back and like be quieter in my life and be more wholesome. And this, this definitely fits with that. That's good. Yep, I'm glad we're doing good. this. I'm off to a good start. Okay. So I'm gonna start. Uh huh. Um, okay. <sighs> I resist the temptation to plant a soft kiss on her shoulder. So you're a man right now, right? I'm a man right now. Okay. Yes, I am Christian Sorry. Gray. Excuse me. Continue. I need to braid her hair first and fetch a flogger. What does <laughs> what does giving her a beating have to do with braiding her hair? I don't know. Okay. Keep going. From the top of the chest, I grab the hair tie, and from the rack, I select my favorite flogger. He's he got has, multiple floggers. Yes. Well, he's Christian Gray, Eric. Excuse me. Which I stuff into the back pocket of my jeans. When I return to stand behind her, I gently take her hair and braid it. Well, I like your pigtails, Anastasia. How old is this woman? She's pigtails. wearing pigtails. I haven't seen pigtails in a very long time on anyone. My goodness. While I like your pigtails, Anastasia, I am impatient to have you right now. Hmm. So one will have to do. And pigtails preclude me from having sex with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, at least that's good. Can, can, yeah. Um, can I just stop right here mm-hmm. and say that, like, I know that Christian Gray is supposed to be an asshole, but like, yeah. I do appreciate a man who can braid hair. Wow. So I can't braid my own hair. I don't know how. Yeah. Um. So this seems like a really good skill. To my have plan a was to not. My plan was to not get uncomfortable during this You're whole ordeal. But now. I am now officially uncomfortable. Just Please wait. continue. What are the safe words, Anastasia? Oh, we've got safe words. Also, can we just note that on fifty-six? This is the fifty-sixth episode of Print Run. Um, you've read sex scenes. Um. On like two of them, like that's a pretty good ratio. I think we're like, at remember when you did like the, three or four. Remember actually. when you did the Franzen scene? Yeah, that was, that was funny. good. Yeah. So her safe words, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, yellow and red, sir, she murmurs, transfixed by the flogger. Good girl. Remember, most of your fear is in your mind. Where is the rest of your fear? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where the fear goes. <laughs> we should have really done this. I'm regretting not putting this behind a paywall, frankly. The fact that this is just like out there as a the sample. People deserve to know. You're right. Good point. I drop the flogger on the bed and brush my fingers down her sides, past the soft swell of her hips, and slip them into her panties. Hmm. You won't be needing these. I drag them down. Great line. (laughs) I drag them down her legs and kneel behind her. She grabs hold of the pillar to shuffle awkwardly out of her underwear. Stand still, I command, and kiss her behind, gently nipping each cheek. Now lie down, face up. I spank her once, and she jumps, startled, and scurries onto the bed. She lies down facing me, her eyes on mine, glowing with excitement and a little trepidation, I think. Hands Hmm. above your head. She does as she's told. I retrieve the earbuds, blindfold, iPod, and remote from it. He's carrying a lot of things. I wish they had branded the iPod better. I wish it was like the iPod Nano (laughs) circuit. Like I really wish they had like gone for the product placement. 
and the remote from atop the chest of drawers. Sitting beside her on the bed, I show her the iPod with the transmitter. God, he's got a transmitter. Her look darts from my face to the devices and back again. This sends what's playing on the iPod to the system in the room. I can hear what you're hearing, and I have a remote control unit for it. So basically, he has Bluetooth. Yeah, that's, that's if I'm, I'm a billionaire, you know, I'm gonna get a special the transmitter. First thing that, that I does want Bluetooth is just does. like Bluetooth all over my house. Yeah, I'm gonna be like <laughs> one of those one of those earbud guys who's just like always talking at no one. Then you realize I've got the thing in the other ear. Just nice. making deals. <laughs> Once she's seen everything, I insert the earbuds into her ears and place the iPod on the pillow. Lift your head. She obeys, and I slip the blindfold over her eyes. Rising, I take her left hand and cuff her wrist to the leather shackle at the top corner of the bed. I let my fingers linger down her outstretched arm, and she wiggles in response. As I walk slowly around the bed, her head follows the sound of my footsteps. I repeat the process with her right hand, cuffing her wrist. Anna's breathing alters, becoming erratic and fast through parted lips. A flush creeps up her chest, and she squirms and lifts her hips in anticipation. Mm. Good. That's a thought, by the way. <laughs> That's a thought? Yeah. That was like a, in italics or something? It is, and it's its own paragraph. <coughs> At the bottom of the bed, I grab both her ankles. Lift your head again, I order. She does so immediately, and I drag her down. I thought this book was about fucking. Come on, there's like lots this of This is moving. like a lot of shuffling around. I'm kind of <sighs> like, man, okay, so just like I... shit or get off the pot, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I'm going to like skip a little bit because he's just like looking at her. And then he goes, fuck, has she ever looked this hot? <laughs> She's <laughs> blah, blah, blah. She's at his mercy. I stand for a moment and marvel at her generosity and courage. Wow. I drag myself well, away there's from at least At least we've got a character trait there. That's <laughs> good. We finally have hashtag right tip. Make your characters have like traits like courage. And generosity. Yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I drag myself away from the spellbounding site and from the chest of drawers collect the rabbit fur glove. PETA is going to be so mad at this book. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. PETA going to be mad at us? I mean, I assume so at this point. Okay. Before I put it on, I press play on the remote. There's a brief hiss, and then the 40-part motet begins, the singer's angelic voice ringing through the playroom and over the delectable Miss Steele... She stills as she listens. Okay, so like a Tudor choral arrangement, is that what you think when you think like spanking and fucking? I don't know. Oh, man. And no. I walk around the bed drinking her in. Reaching out, I caress her neck with the glove. She inhale. Can you like picture her like him like Michael Jackson with just like one fur glove? Honestly, who has time for any of this <laughs> is my point at this point. She doesn't cry out or tell me to stop. Slowly, I run my gloved hand down her throat, over her sternum, and then over her breasts, enjoying her restrained squirm. Circling her breasts, I gently tug on each of her nipples, and her moan of appreciation encourages me to head south. At a leisurely, deliberate pace, I explore her body, her belly, her hips, the apex of her thighs, and down each leg. The music swells. More voices join in the choir in perfect counterpoint to my moving hand. I watch her mouth to determine how she's feeling. Now she gapes in pleasure. Now she bites her lip. When I run my hand over her sex, she clenches her behind, pushing herself into my hand. Though I normally like her to keep still, the movement pleases me. Miss mm. Steele is enjoying this. She's greedy. When I brush her breasts against... 
when I brush her breasts against her nipples, harden in the wake of the glove. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Mm. That was also a thought in okay. italics. Okay. That was its own paragraph. Okay. Now that her skin is sensitized, I remove the glove and pick up the flogger. With great care, I trail the beaded ends over her skin, following the same pattern. Over her chest, her breasts, her belly, through her pubic hair, and down her legs. As more choristers lend their voices to the motet, I lift my hand. Oh, I forgot there was classical music or something oh, playing right now. Oh, it's a Tudor choral arrangement. Yeah, yeah, that's I lift good. the handle of the flogger and flick the tresses over her belly. She cries out. I think it's a prize, but she doesn't safe word. I give her a moment to absorb the sensation, then do it again, a little harder this time. She pulls at her shackles and calls out once more, a garbled cry, but it's not the safe word. I lash the flogger over her breasts and she tilts her head back and lets out a soundless cry. Her mouth slack as she writhes on the red satin. Of course he has red satin. Mm -hmm. Still no safe word. Anna is embracing her inner freak. <laughs> that's, a, that's a distinct shift in I was going to say, I feel like that really kind of, like that word doesn't really belong. Yeah. Yeah. I feel giddy with delight as I rain the tails down, up and down her body, watching her skin warm under her bite. When the choristers pause, so do I. Christ, she looks stunning. I begin again as the music crescendos, all the voices singing together. I flick the flogger over her again and again, and she writhes beneath each blow. When the last note rings through the room, I stop, dropping the flogger on the floor. I'm breathless, panting with want and need. Fuck. She lays on the bed, helpless, her skin pretty and pink, and she's panting, too. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well. Man. Well, that's that's great. You did great. We've experienced our first collective flogging. So <laughs> I like to think of each of these episodes as a collective flogging. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the show. We are done with this episode of Print Run. It's your turn, Eric. <laughs> All right. Bring it over here. All right. So this is a selection from <coughs> Fifty Shades Darker. Yeah. It seems as though this is a this is a scene involving some ice cream. Yes. Right? Well, these uh Christian and Anna are flirting. Yeah. And they're talking about dessert. So mm. there you go. They're talking about ice cream specifically. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, Laura, they're also talking about our favorite topic, which is energy conservation, at least from <laughs> what? what I can notice. What are you and actually, talking about? Actually, before I start this, I just want to say Lisa Ko should have won the National Book Award. Autumn should have won the Man Booker. Like, even though I didn't win, I feel like I won. Like, spiritually, I won the award, and I shouldn't have to do this. Good. Just... Now read this scene. <laughs> hmm. Normally, I hate energy-saving bulbs. Oh they my are God. so dim. But being naked, it's all just about being energy efficient. I think this is book is the climate. Yeah. This is the climate novel for our time, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so energy-saving bulbs, yada, yada, yada. Here we go. <clears throat> Arms above your head, he commands. I comply, and he fastens the end of my robe sash around my left wrist and threads the end through the metal bars at the head of my bed. He pulls it tight so my left arm is flexed above me. He then secures my right hands, tying the sash tightly. When I'm tied up, staring at him, he visibly relaxes. He likes me tethered. I can't touch him this way. It occurs to me that none of the subs would have touched him either, and what's more, they would have never had the opportunity to. There's a lot of hanging prepositions in this book. Did you notice yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, here we go. 
He climbs off me and bends to give me a quick peck on the lips. Then he stands and lifts his shirt over his head. He undoes his jeans and drops them to the floor. He is gloriously naked. I'm going to really lean into this part. My inner goddess is doing a triple axle dismount off the uneven bars. What? (laughs) Okay, so you might not know this, Eric, but Uh uh, Anastasia uh, kind of speaks about her kind of mental self Uh as being an inner goddess. But what's really funny. I do that too. I've got an inner goddess. (laughs) But what's really funny is that she also calls it her subconscious, Mm. having no idea what that word actually means. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, anyway, so. The inner goddess is doing gymnastics, apparently. Here we go. He has a physique drawn on classical lines. Broad muscular shoulders, narrow hips, the inverted triangle. What is the inverted triangle? Oh, it's the V, the hip V. The V. V. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Or she might be talking about, like, the broad shoulders and Mm -hmm. then the trim waist. I'm not entirely sure what triangle she's talking about. Well, that's just something that the author's going to have to work on for the next draft, I guess. Um, (laughs) Specificity. (laughs) He moves to the end of the bed and grasps my ankles, pulling me swiftly and sharply downward so that my arms are stretched out and unable to move. That's better, he, mu- he mutters. Oh, this is the part. This is the good part. Hold on. I, I accidentally skipped it. Hold on. Here we go. Picking up the pint of ice cream, we're on to the ice cream. Oh, boy. He climbs smoothly back onto the bed to straddle me once more. Very slowly, he peels off the lid and dips the spoon in. I hope this whole scene is just about eating ice cream. I point. hope he just sits I on the end of the bed and eats in, <laughs> in front of saying. her. That's what I'm saying. Like that, that would be, yeah, that'd be perfect. Yeah. Um. Anyway. <clears throat> that'd be my ideal scene. I know. Yeah. Just like no sex. Just no eating, Ben and Jerry's for bed. you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we. I live such a really fantastic life. <laughs> hmm. It's still quite hard, he says with a raised brow, scooping out a spoonful of the vanilla. He pops it into his mouth. Delicious, he murmurs, licking his lips. Amazing how good plain old vanilla can taste. This is really just a passage about ice cream. I can't wait. <laughs> he gazes down at me. Want some, he teases. He looks so freak- freaking. I appreciate the use of freaking in this mm, explicit. It's like the 90s. Yeah. He looks so freaking hot, young and carefree, sitting on me and eating ice cream, eyes bright, face luminous. Oh, what the hell is he going to do to me? As if I can't tell. I nod shyly. He scoops out another spoonful and offers me the spoon, so I open my mouth. Then he quickly, quickly pops it in his mouth again. This is like the most. Tease. Yeah, he's just. What a tease. This dude is just gobbling ice cream. Like, so far that's. I would have kicked him by this point. Yeah. Like, if you're having like three bites of ice cream and you haven't given me one, yeah. I'd be like, this is over. It's time to We're withhold. Done. Yeah, it, it, We're yeah, done. Right. This is too good to share, he says, smiling wickedly. Hey, I start in protest. Why, Miss Steele, do you like your vanilla? How many pages do you think we can get where they only talk about ice cream? At least six. All right, here we go. Yes, I say more forcefully than I mean and try in vain to buck him off. He laughs. Getting feisty, are we? I wouldn't do that if I were you. Ice cream, I plead. This is very relatable content at this point. <laughs> well, as you've pleased me so much today, Miss Steele, he relents and offers me another spoonful. This time he lets me eat it. I want to giggle. He's really enjoying himself and his good humor. Isn't that another ice cream brand, by the way, good humor? I have no idea. It is. Come on. They make like the things like when you, the ice cream truck pulls up and there's no like, the, like the – it's like the cartoon characters. Like The, the only thing, thing. Val- worth eating at the ice cream truck is the ta- Choco Taco. I so agree. 
I actually, that's like probably our most specific point of agreement in yeah. history is the Choco Taco is the only good ice cream truck treat. Correct. Anyway, back to the sex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I want to giggle. He's really enjoying himself and his good humor is infectious. He scoops another spoonful and feeds me some more. Then he does it again. Okay, enough. That's in italics. That was thoughts. Hmm. Well, this is one way to ensure you eat. Isn't ensure like a dairy brand too? Uh, yeah. I'm just looking uh, well, for I, dairy puns at this point. <laughs> I think it's um. I think it's more of like a nutritional supplement for like old people and like children. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Taking another spoonful, he offers me more. This time I keep my mouth shut and shake my head, and he lets it slowly melt on the spoon so that the melted ice cream drips onto my throat, onto my chest. He dips down and very slowly licks it off. My body lights up with longing. Mmm. <laughs> Tastes even better off you, Miss Steele. I pull against my restraints and the bed creaks ominously, but I don't care. I'm burning with desire. It's consuming me. I'm assuming for the ice cream. I hope yeah. so. I mean, but, like, can we, for real, for a second, talk about how, like, it's dumb that he's eating melted ice cream yeah. off of her? Like, melted ice cream is clearly subpar This is also like, regular This ice cream. is legitimately, like, page six of, like, ice cream. Yes. We, we skipped, like, four book? pages before. I don't know. Why wow. are you asking me? I don't know. You're the one who rented this from the library, Laura. <sighs> Um, the only one. Yeah, you're the only one in the whole Twin Cities reading this book right now. I know. Anyway, all right, I here we go. I regret it. <clears throat> he takes another spoonful and lets the ice cream dribble onto my breasts. Then with the back of the spoon, he spreads it over each breast and nipple. All right, see, now we're getting to it a little. Here we go. <laughs> oh, it's cold. <laughs> each nipple peaks and hardens beneath the cool of the vanilla. I like that we're specifying the flavor. Here. Yeah. 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 Cold. Christian asks softly and bends to lick and suckle all the ice cream off me once more, his mouth hot compared to the cool of the ice. It's torture. As a, yeah, because you don't get any of the damn ice cream. I mean, it's just like God, I'm just like covered it's just in— making you sticky. You're just covered in sticky shit. Yeah, it's no good. It's torture. As it starts to melt, the ice cream runs off me in rivulets onto the bed. His lips continue their slow torture, sucking hard, nuzzling softly. Oh, please— that's the sexiest anyone has ever shouted, oh, please, by the way. I'm pretty sure right here on this podcast. I'm panting. Want some? We're still fucking debating the ice cream. Just, it's just like, and before I can confirm or deny his offer, his tongue is in my mouth, and it's cold and skilled and tastes of Christian and vanilla. Delicious. And just as I'm getting used to the sensation, he sits up again and trails a spoonful of ice cream down the center of my body, across my stomach, and into my navel where he deposits a large dollop of ice cream. Oh, this is chillier than before, but weirdly, it burns. Oh, my God. I Keep think, going. Just oh, We're keeping let's, going? Let's get, I was thinking that might be a good place. So, all right, fine. <sighs> Here we go. Now, you've done this before. Christian's eyes shine. You're going to have to stay still, or there will be ice cream all over the bed. Reasonable concern, actually. <laughs> I admire Wait, there the already is ice cream on the bed. Yeah, we've been pouring it everywhere. <laughs> this is a complete mess. Okay, real talk. Can we? Can we just, like... Put a pin in this right now yeah. and say to all of our listeners, uh -huh. I'm not sure if he puts the ice cream anywhere farther south, but uh -huh. that's how we get ants and yeast infections. <laughs> that's how we get ants. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, like, don't, man. like, I really, ho- tell me that doesn't happen. One thing that's really funny, real quick, is that you, to find this passage, you, like, find and searched the word ice cream. Yeah. So every time the word ice cream, or the phrase ice cream appears, it's, like, highlighted it's on the page. It's just so many. So, and it's just, like, six times a page. Like, the only thing we're talking about is ice cream. I know. Um, I know. Should we keep going? Should we leave it there? I think we've probably we've probably given the people what they need. We've yeah. atoned. We can now we have atoned. You know we what? We can now start 2018 with a clean slate. We of haven't sins. showed any actual penetration. That's good. That keeps us good and safe. I yeah, think. Yeah. So that yeah. means that when we get all of our bets wrong next year, yeah. we can do the yeah. actual like like right. P and V scenes. Right, right, right. It's also going to keep people from yelling at us. Yeah. Which I think is good. Like we're going to get like. Three stars, not safe for work, and like suddenly we're gonna be like the the porny book podcast, and like <laughs> I'm not sure that's the brand we're going for. No, there's already one of those that exists. It's called My Dad Wrote a Porno, and it's very <laughs> oh, yeah. good. Yeah, that one is good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think? Do we need a right tip off any of this? Yeah. What's your, well, so what's so yours? I think I think we we hit on a really good one. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them actually mm-hmm. from E. L. James. Yeah. One was the uh, the the dangling prepositions. Yes. Don't do that. <coughs> and I think the second one was kind of just like generally repetitive words. You know? Yeah. Ice cream is in there like a lot. You know? Well, it's just like we could summarize a lot of this. And I we guess could. the point the point is not to summarize it. The point is to give the strict play-by-play. But if you're going to do a play-by-play, then it needs to like ratchet up an intrigue, not just like some dude on the bed eating ice cream. Like getting ice cream all over the sheets. That's just like a Tuesday for me. Like I just like <laughs> sit around and eat ice cream. Like this is not erotic to me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Also, like you should know, like if you're going to use a word, uh-huh. like subconscious. Uh-huh. You should know what it means because subconscious in the Fifty Shades of Grey series uh, means like inner conscious mind, which is not what that means. That's not what that is at all. I'm actually reading. So right now I'm reading uh, the new the new Philip Pullman book. Uh huh. Right, and I'm almost done with it. But good um, transition. Good transition. Yeah, no, there, there is a transition here. There is a transition here because all of his characters have these daemons. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say uh, it? You're even? like the f- last person in the entire face of the earth to know about daemons. Well, I know. I mean, I you know what they are Greek wise, but like in terms of like fantasy, no, I've never I've never read a book. No, it's where, just a Pullman thing. And yeah. he. Like, it's, like, everyone talking to, like, their inner selves, and I kind of picture it like this. Like, so now I'm going to read this book. And every- Are any of the daemons in the new Pullman book doing gymnastics? That would be a nice plot twist. Honestly, the book needs it. It's kind of boring as so hell. <laughs> I really don't like it. Don't read the new Philip <laughs> Pullman book. Um, but anyway, that's probably enough. I'm, I'm yep. Yeah. I, I think so. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us for this atoning Please don't episode. unsubscribe from our show. <laughs> I promise next week we're going to come back with, yeah. like, real content. Legitimate opinions, yeah. Uh, and any ice cream that we have will be uh, tweeted about before the show and um, will not get onto any bed sheets. I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, well, we will see you for a regular episode next week. Bye. Bye.